Isn't that a beautiful prayer? All I have is yours. May that be our prayer for 2022. Thank y'all so much. That was just beautiful. Well, today we are kicking off a new sermon series, kind of starting the new year off right. And uh, the big idea for this sermon series, and you have it there in your bulletin if you want to look with that. Look at that if you're here in person. If you're online, I'll read it to you. But the sermon title is God's Love time after time. And, and if we had had a little bit more room when we were kind of crafting this and thinking about it, I said, I, I really just wanted to say God's love time after time after time after time. And kind of the big idea and the question that we're asking over the next several weeks is this, and again, it's there in your bulletin, but it's this, is that what if, what if the messy places and the seasons of our lives are not hindrances to experiencing the presence of God, but catalysts right to His heart. In other words, when we think about our lives, the messy places, the hard places, the places where, you know, maybe there's shame and maybe there's embarrassment or maybe there's a, a, a brokenness or maybe it's someone else's brokenness that's impacted your life. What about these messy places where it's the temptation is to feel like, God, you're so distant, you're so far away. But what if the, those hardest places were actually catalysts right to his heart and experience his love? So what we're going to be doing is, that we're going to do something that's a little bit different, but we are going to be doing over the next several weeks, we are going to be taking uh, us as a church family, as a church community, we're going to be going through the grand sweep of God's big story. Uh, I'm going to be kicking us off today in Genesis, and over the next several weeks together, we are going to go from Genesis to Exodus uh, to the Old Testament. We're going to go to Jesus, and we are going to end up in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Now, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Because when we think about God's love time after time after time after time, generation after generation after generation, we want to look at the big grand sweep of God's big story. Because in this, and sometimes when you think about your Bible, you don't think about it as one one big story, but I think we do ourselves a disservice when we don't. I mean, for you know, for some of us, when you come to the scriptures and you look at it, uh, just in talking with people and different things, I think for some people, the Word of God, the scriptures, uh, they come to it like this is my my life application. Uh, my, well, there's even a Bible, the Life Application Bible, which is it's a great Bible. If you don't have one, go get it. So I don't want, I want to say anything negative about that, but that is not all that it is. Where it's just you know how can I have a good marriage? How can I have a good family? How can I be a good parent? How can I, how can I, they, there's almost this idea that it's like God is this cosmic life coach. And if I just do what he says, everything's going to turn out good in my life. Now, now that happens and that's true in so many cases, our lives really are better, but that is not primarily what the story is about. For others, they see the scriptures and the great big story, you know, this Genesis to Revelation, they see it uh, maybe as a book that is full of uh, mysteries and hard to understand, and there are parts that I like and parts that I don't, so I'm just going to kind of pretend and not read the parts that I don't like. But the parts that are uncomfortable and the parts that are hard, 
uh, and the parts that it's kind of difficult to say, oh, man, that, that kind of doesn't, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. Those are all a part of God's great big story. And so this story is not primarily about us, but it is primarily about a God who created the universe, who loves you and me, and how we relate to him. So with that, what I want us to do, we're going to start where? We're going to start at the very beginning, and, uh, and then we're going to kind of be unraveling this, this big idea today. So let's jump into the scriptures and start here in Genesis 1, because it's the beginning of the new year, so it's the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, who, who is the book about in the beginning? In the beginning, God. Okay, again, is, is it in the beginning, Fran? In the beginning, Martha Bowman? In the beginning, humanity? In the beginning? No, so this right here tells you this is a story about who God is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and it was empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light and there was light. And then God saw that the light was, say it with me, good. The first thing that we learn about God is that he acts and he creates, and his creation is good. At the end of the, the six days of creation, uh, the, the writer sums it up, and he says, and then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was, what, if you're here, he saw that it was very good. It wasn't just good, it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, and marked the sixth, the sixth day. Let's think about this just for a second. When you think about God, when you think about who God is, what is the image and the picture that comes to your mind? What is that image? Do you see God as someone who's angry? Do you see God as someone who's distant? Do you see God as your cosmic life coach? Do you see God as a Republican that's going to vote Republican? Do you see God as a Democrat who is for Joe Biden? Or do you see, you know, fill in the blank. We all have, is he a loving, kind father? Is he, is he a progressive? Is he someone that, uh, you know, doesn't speed? Or, you know, all these pictures and all these images, what is the picture and what is the image? Image that comes to mind for you. The writer A.W. Tozer, and if I could have this quote up here, he says, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, that's kind of a powerful statement. He says, what we think about God is the most important thing about us because we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. What do I mean by this? Um, a few months ago, um, a, a member of our church, someone that uh, comes to church every Sunday, every Sunday. I mean, she is here, uh, never misses. I mean, unless she's sick or something. But anyway, a very faithful member of Martha Bowman. And she pulled me aside, and I tell you this story because I don't think this is an anomaly. I think I've, I've had this story with multiple people. But she pulled me aside, and she said, I was wondering if I could talk to you. She said, I've been putting it off because I'm, I'm, I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. I, and she said, but I really question, is God good? 
is God good? And she said, and, and the reason that I'm hesitant is because in the past when I've tried to kind of express this to other people to say, hey, I, you know, I look at some of these Old Testament stories and it just, I, I have such a hard time reconciling the Jesus of the New Testament. And, but people go, no, 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 you shouldn't think that way. You shouldn't feel that way. And they try to explain it away. She said, but I, I, I struggle with the idea of is God good? Here in Genesis, we see God creating this good creation and he says that it's very good. This, you know, the, the writer sets it up. God is, is this good God doing this great, you know, this good creation. But she said, but I see that. But I also see in, in Genesis when God wipes out all of humanity, babies, babies. It had to be babies. It had to be old people. It had to be people with mental illness, people with disabilities, people with the grand scope of things. And, and God wipes them out with a flood. How can a good God do that? And, and then she goes, and what, and what about in Joshua? What about in Joshua? Well, actually, she didn't say that when I said that. When I said, I know, I know. It's hard to read those. Plays. I said, and what about Joshua? I mean, it's basically kind of a genocide if you look at it. And it's like, and, I, and, I said, and then I said, and have you read the one in Exodus? So, I mean, I'm kind of like telling her, yeah, there's some stuff that's hard to read. And so when we think about this sermon series, God's love, time after time after time. We cannot just take the pieces of Scripture that we like and see God, again, as our cosmic life coach and say, I just like this and I like that, but that one's hard to say. I'm not looking at that one. Or, or it can, So we, we either pick and choose and we just kind of ignore the parts we don't like, or it causes us to walk away from our faith or to do as this woman has been doing as she's been coming to church every Sunday and she has these doubts and there's this internal tension. And in talking to her and I said, you know, I said, here's the thing. If you can't trust that God is good, probably what that means is, is that you can't fully give yourself to him. And she said, that's it. That's it right there. Because how can I fully surrender, as the song said, and give myself to a God if I can't trust that he's good? So kind of heavy here, but that's what I want us to, to kind of explore and to look at and look at God's great big story. And my prayer and my hope is that we may see God's love and his compassion and his mercy time after time after time. The other scripture that's there in your bulletin, and the one I kind of want us to drill down a little bit more into today, comes from the book of Exodus. This is such a powerful, powerful scripture. Um, I, that, I, you know, we don't preach on it a lot. You know, I preach on Genesis 1 pretty frequently. If you are in children's ministry, we've all done the, the flannel board. Flannel board, I'm kind of dating myself. You know, where you're going through the days of creation, that kind of thing. But, but this one is maybe one that we don't talk about as much, which is, is kind of surprising. To, maybe I just hadn't been thinking about it. But in this passage, the reason that it's so important and it's so critical to this conversation is this is that we get over to the book of Exodus. So you got Genesis, uh, Numbers, Leviticus, Exodus. It's the story. Uh, no, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Oh, I got that mixed up. All right. <laughs> There's some Bible nerds out there going, uh-uh, uh-uh, you messed up. Didn't roll off my tongue quite right. But this is the story. The people of God, they've been enslaved in Egypt, and God has called Moses. He's led them out. Now they're in the wilderness. And Moses is having this conversation with God. And he says, God, he says, I want to see you. I want to see you your face. I want to, and this the way it's written right here specifically, it says, 
I want to see, show me your glorious presence. Another way of saying that is, I want to know, God, what are you like? Show me your glorious presence. Show me what you are like. And then the Lord replied and he said, I will make all of my what? All of my goodness, all of my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. He says, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you what I'm like. And right now, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you my goodness in all of its messy, magnificent, wonderful tension. So God appears to Moses and begins to proclaim to him who he is. And this is what he says. Let's jump down to Exodus 34, 6 and 8. The Lord passed in front of Moses, and he called out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of. So, so this next little sentence right here, I love this sentence. We, we have got this one down. He says, you are a God of compassion. I like it when I get God's compassion. He is a God of mercy. I love it when I get his mercy. Uh, God says, I am slow to anger. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you are slow to anger. And I am filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Oh, isn't that beautiful? God's covenant, unfailing love. This is the part that we've captured in this sermon series. God's love, time after time after time after time. Every time we fail, there is his love. There, every time we mess up, every time we screw up, that is his love, time after time after time. And he says, you lavish. Oh, I love that word, lavish. It's just like poured over me, lavish. This unfailing love to a thousand generations. Just imagine, a th- can we even fathom a thousand generations? generations. And he says, I forgive iniquity. I I forgive rebellion. I forgive sin. You know, we think about forgiveness. This is not just a New Testament quality. This is not a New Testament concept. This is not a Jesus message. This is right here in the second book of the Bible when God is describing who he is. And he says, I'm full of compassion and mercy and forgiveness. So, so don't think when somebody says, I don't like the God of the Old Testament. This is the God of the Old Testament, who is the same, if you will, the God of the New Testament. And he says, I lavish this unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. This is like, whatever you do, iniquity, I got it. Rebellion, I got it. Sin, I got it. There's no screw-up that is so great that my love is not greater still. But, and here is the tension. Here's the tension in this passage, and I promise you this is the tension that my friend was experiencing. This is the tension that your pastor experiences. This is the tension of the story from Genesis to Revelation. And here it is. It's in the but. He says, but... I do not excuse the guilty, and I lay the sins of the parent upon their children and their grandchildren, and the entire family is affected, even children in the third and the fourth generations. Oh, there's that, there's, there's the justice, there is the judgment, there is the, that's the hard places. And we're like, how do I reconcile this tension between the God who is full of mercy and love and compassion and forgiveness, and yet who is saying though, but in the same breath, I will not excuse the guilty. And then he goes on to say, I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren. And it's like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. That doesn't make sense to me. And I think 
right here in the, in the Hebrew, it's a little difficult to translate this passage because in other places in the Old Testament, God is very clear that we all are accountable for our own sin. That if a father sins, that, that if the child sins, the father is not accountable and vice versa. So there are other places that give some clarity. It's like, no, 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 we're, we, we all stand before God for what we've done, not for what our parents did, what for what our kids did. But here is the thing that he's talking about right here. There are consequences. There are consequences that become generational consequences. He says the whole and entire family is affected. I mean, we, we've all seen, we, we know this. It, it, we can look at our own families. We can look at our own family dysfunction. We can look at, uh, you know, people that we know that, that what happens when there's brokenness and pain in a, in a husband and a wife and a couple, it's, it, it, it breaks, it hurts the children. It, it goes out, it goes out generationally. And so that's what he's saying right here is there is this tension already, but between my goodness and my kindness and my mercy, but there is an aspect of me that is good, that is good, that is wrapped up in my justice. Now, John Mark Comer, who is an author and a pa- pastor that I, that I love, I follow, I think he just has a lot of great insights. He, in, in reflecting on this passage, he, he gave me a, a, a mental picture that, that I thought, oh, I get this, because I don't know about y'all, but I cringe. I cringe when it says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and their grandchildren. And so John Mark Comer, in writing about this passage, it's a book, um, The Name of God, or God Has a Name, I think is the name of the book. But he said, imagine, if you will, um, a weight, and he said, you know, not, not the kind that we get up in the morning and we've eaten too much in the bathroom, not, the, not that scale, but imagine the, the, you know, Lady Justice's scales. You know what I'm talking about? There's the, the thing right here, and then there's the little fulcrum, and on one side you have one weight, and over here you have another, and so you weigh what's heavier. He said, what God is trying to say right here is on one hand is my compassion, my mercy, my forgiveness, all those good things that we love to be the recipients of. And he says right here, I said that I'm going to show that to a thousand generations. So you've got a thousand pounds over here. Imagine, okay, imagine we're going to compare it to pounds. You've got a thousand pounds over here. God's love, justice, mercy, compassion. And he says, but on this other side, there is this aspect of my goodness that involves um, not forgiving sin, or I mean, not forgiving sins, but not excusing the guilty, um, my, my justice. And he said, you know, if you looked at that, that's three to four generations. That's, let's say, three to four pounds. And what he's trying to say there is, yes, this is an aspect of who I am. It is a part of my goodness. Oh, but weighted, so, so much skewed, you know, over here to the, my right, I guess I'm looking, y'all look at my left, is my love, my compassion, and my mercy. I think a story that kind of made this come home to me the most, my daughter Mary, um, when she graduated from college, she spent her first year out of college on the mission field uh, with a group called Adventures in Mission. And uh, one of the places that they served was in Cambodia. And so uh, one of her teammates, they, they kept blogs, and so one of her teammates was writing about one of their days out, at, you know, they were there in Cambodia, they were out in the, in the streets uh, caring for people, caring for kids. And so um, Rebecca is her name. Let me pull it up right here so I can get this correctly. And I, Joseph, if we could have that picture of, of, the, of the team out in the city. So this is actually from uh, Rebecca Weaver's blog. You can find this on the, there it is. So this is a picture. She said in Cambodia, um, we were spending the day. We were loving on street children uh, who were either orphan, orphaned or they choose to live on the streets instead. Um, 
rather than return to their abusive parents. She was kind of talking about their, their season there. Their, while they were there, she said, we met a woman who sold her daughter for $80 when she was drunk one night. Uh, we loved on a boy who recently lost his mother due to starvation. We handed out food and clean water to the children in one of the many slums there. Um, and then she writes about, so this is kind of what they did. And, and a year on the mission field, and I mean, this was, this was common. This was, this was kind of their, their normal as they would go out and care for these, you know, wherever the ministry was taking them. But if I could see the picture of the the little girl. So then she writes, and she says, um, you know, as we were uh, giving out the food, and we did a short skit, and she said, but then I saw this little girl, and she was standing in the trash in the distance. She was leaning up against the stilts of one of the houses, just watching all of us as we played with the kids, and I felt the Lord prompting me to walk over to the little girl. And she said, and I slowly started walking over there to uh, invite her to join the rest of the kids, but as I approached, I could see Bruce all over her chest and her shoulders, which is not a normal place to get bruises. And I put that in the back of my mind for the moment. And when I got down, I got close to the girl. I waved her over. She hesitantly looked over at me. So I stepped down into the trash and I reached out my hand to help her uh, up to where we were. Uh, She grabbed my hand. uh, But basically, she goes on to tell the story. And again, Rebecca Weaver, a blog, The World Race, if you want to get all the, you know, read it in its entirety. But she said that she had bruises. But here was the thing. She said that the little girl just seemed so hesitant to come over to where the team was handing out water and food and and kind of they were doing some activities for kids. And she said she kept glancing over and there was a man who was standing there kind of looking at her. And she said that she looked and you could tell that the little girl was afraid. And and Rebecca said, "My, my gut told me is that she was being sexually abused. I didn't know if that was her father. I didn't know if it was a family member. But she wouldn't, she wouldn't get closer because she kept looking to him. And then he kind of moved in and stepped in like to kind of like don't go any further kind of thing. My daughter would tell me this was not, this was not an anomaly story. This was, this was a part of the ministry that they were doing in so many parts of the world where they were serving. And as a mama, you know, I... My daughter had grown up in Georgia, you know, going to, you know, school just like so many of y'all. And she had been very sheltered from seeing the hard places in life. Uh, and I was worried that this would, would jade her. I was worried that she would say, you know, my parents taught me that God is all-powerful. He's all-present. He's all-knowing. He can do anything. If God is a good, if God is good, if God is good, how would he allow this type of injustice to continue? And I was scared that it was going to shake and rattle her faith. And so I asked her about it. I said, Mary, I said, when you saw these, these kids and you saw this injustice, and not just like one, I mean, it was just over and over and over and over. I said, did it, did it shake your faith? Did it make you question, is God good? And I have never, now, now Mary, but you, know, you know your kids. Your kids are different. Mary, Mary's my sweet one. You know, she's, she's like, like Mark. They, they see the good in everybody, kind, mercy. You know, they're, they're, if you, yeah, they, they're great. I'm kind of the hard one here. <laughs> anyway, but all that to say, and, and, and I have never seen my daughter. It was like a flash of anger. I said, you know, I said, God, Mary, did this make you question God's goodness? And she, this flash of anger appeared. You know, she kind of, and she said, oh, no, oh, no. She said, my, my thoughts are, come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
This is when I believe and I trust and I have to hope in the justice of an almighty God. And I think in that moment, I saw the tension that is woven throughout from Genesis to Revelation. And kind of like what we're going to be talking about, this whole sermon series, you know, God's love time after time after time. But woven into that are the hard places in the story where we see that God is a just God who will, as the scriptures say, that, that he says that, that I, I don't excuse the guilty. The man who is abusing, possibly, his daughter, sexually abusing her, possibly. They said there was a little girl who had been sold for $80 because the mom got drunk. You know, we see these great injustices, and we know that a part of God's goodness is that he will one day set everything right. And we want that in our hearts. When we read about things, we hear about things, we're like, no, the world should not be that way. The good news of the gospel is that, you know, Jesus, and we're, we're going to get to Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to plow through the Old Testament, and we're just like, ooh, get me to Jesus. Get me to Jesus. But what a beautiful story. What a beautiful part of God's big story that God loved us so much that he poured out, you know, his, all this wrath against sin. And Jesus willingly took it. The Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. The power of sin is broken. We get to be a part of God's, God's community, the church, to go out and to, and to fight against these injustices. Because in our hearts, we all long. We long, you know, it's interesting to me, you've got Eden, and Eden is full of innocence. Um, you know, but we, we know of the brokenness and the hurt. I think we long for our New Jerusalem that's, that we talk about in Revelation, where we know of the brokenness, we know of the pain, we know of the injustice, and we've experienced it ourselves. We've caused it ourselves. But in the end, there is a good, good God who loves us, who tells us this great big story that time after time after time after time in the messiness and the brokenness and the pain that God is the one who shows up. He had his, maybe these events, maybe this, for like my daughter Mary, it did not shake her faith. It, it solidified her faith in a God who was good, a God who loved, but also a God who said there will be an accounting one day for those who hurt my children. So what do we do with all this? What do we do with this as we think about God's big story? Because here is the good news, is you are a part of this big story. I said in the beginning that it's not about us. It's not primarily about us, but we get to be a part of that story. My heart and my prayer throughout this whole sermon series is that you will begin to see God as he truly is. I will, not as a caricature that we've made up in our minds, not the God that we want him to be, but we will really dig down into his word, into the scripture, scriptures and say, God, show me who you are. Because to understand our stories, we look at God's story. And to understand his story, we must discover his character. Because God is not good because he does good things. But everything that God does is good because he is good. So whether it's his justice, whether it's his mercy, his kindness, his holiness, his faithfulness, his sovereignty, his trustworthiness, even his jealousy, they are all expressions of his goodness. What if we spent this next sermon series saying, God, like Moses, what if our prayer is, oh God, show me your glory? What a difference this might make in our lives, our understanding, but also how we live this out. Also how we become his catalyst in the world today to help others be drawn to a God who loves them, who cares for them. And in the messy places of life, he wants to show them who he is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.